today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. Let's say you're not feeling well for a second. It's happened to a few people. Hopefully not today. Hopefully you're li- hopefully you're in full health while listening to the show today. But you can imagine you're not feeling all that well. Something more than a sniffle or a little headache and something less than you've just cut off your leg with a chainsaw. Something in the middle ground there where you might normally go to a doctor or even the hospital to be checked. Well, let me ask you a question. Would you be comfortable, again, considering it's not a life or death circumstance, would you be comfortable doing that visit online now? Has COVID and our self-quarantining period and what we've learned about what we can actually do from our living room, has that changed your opinion? Would you be okay seeing your doctor from home? Not a house call. He's there, you're here. Or she's there, you're here. Well, this appears to possibly be our new reality, or at least heading that way. St. Joseph's Hospital is launching a new emergency room system today that'll allow you to be seen online. Not for not for life-threatening things. Again, if you're having a massive heart attack, this is not for you. If you can't breathe, this is not for you. But for other things, it's an intriguing idea that I think It must have existed before, but boy, it seems like it's time has come. Dr. Greg Rutledge is the Chief of Emergency Medicine at St. Joseph's Hospital. He joins us now. Dr. Rutledge, thanks for doing this today. Thanks for having me. Uh, Again, I think this must have been done places before, but this is is brilliant. I mean, for, for many reasons, but I think largely anyone who's ever been to the emergency ward knows there's a whole lot of people there a lot of the time who really shouldn't be there. Uh, starting just there, this may help to alleviate that a bit. Yeah, we're excited about it. I think it's. Uh, I, I think your analogy between the the two po- goalposts that you put there are, are reasonable analogies. I think, but yeah, we're excited. I think all of us have have been confronted with the question of should I come to emerge? Should I not? Uh, do I need to go to hospital for this? And um, I know friends are always calling me and asking me that question. And so this is giving everybody an opportunity to have that question answered for them in a way. I mean, I think first step is always family doctor. Try and connect with your family physician. They know you best. But if you can't get into the see them or, or you don't have a family physician, it's another service for the community, which I think will be, uh, I, we hope to be really well used. Well, and as I said off the top, I mean, anyone who's been to emergency and heaven knows I've been there a few times, uh, there's always loads of people and I'm guaranteeing that a bunch of them don't need to necessarily be there. The flip side though is, I would think that there are probably also a lot of people in the community who are very stoic and the opposite. They go, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And meanwhile, they've got something that really needs to be looked at. And if they can do it from the convenience of home and it's not a you know, a problem to go all the way down to the hospital and sit in a waiting room for hours, they may take advantage. It may be very helpful. Agreed. Yeah. And I think some of this was born out of the the first wave of the pandemic, hopefully the only wave, but certainly the first wave of the pandemic that we saw our numbers drop significantly, 30, 40% at times in the hospitals across the city and, and recognize that heart attacks and strokes and those sort of things don't stop happening in a pandemic and, and concern out of where these people were. And so, um, even having that instance occur where they call hoping to hear, no, no, you don't need to come, um, to be able to connect with them and say, actually, you really do need to come and it's safe to come. And here's what we've done to make sure it's safe just so they can feel comfortable coming. Um, that was part of where this came from, that there were people out there that needed to come who weren't. And then conversely, there are some who aren't sure. And it's really, I mean, they're not in the medical field. They don't know. That's not their job to know whether they should or shouldn't come. And and uh, being able to alleviate their concerns on those occasions where we can say, no, actually, you don't need to come. Or 
your issue is something that we can solve over the phone um, and direct the the next appropriate care um, is huge and it's huge at any time as you mentioned everyone's under stress in the emerge always but in this time of trying to socially distance physical isolate um, to be able to minimize the number of people in the waiting room is, is a good thing for all involved did you say a moment ago that you're down by 30% or down to 30% during the COVID time? We were down upwards of 30%. We're back up to our normal volumes now. Um, but for there was a period of sort of five, six weeks there where we saw a significant decline in, the, in our numbers. Um, I think in part because people were staying at home and doing the right things. And as evidenced by how well we've done, um, people responded appropriately. But um, And then as things have eased up and people have gone out and about now, we're seeing our numbers increase back to our usual pre-March levels, um, but had some concerns in that time, and I think it was well documented mm. in the literature about where are these people, because there's certainly still adverse outcomes happening, and, right. and why are they not coming? And so this was an opportunity to say, look, those people can engage with us, and it might just be, you know what, absolutely, you need to come to hospital for this. It might not always be that you don't have to come, but um, I think those are those two scenarios are equally important, that yes, you in fact do need to come, and please come, or no, here's how we can manage you without you having to come. Just one thing on that issue, on the COVID thing, which hopefully, again, we may be a little bit past those initial fears, but the people, did you find that the people, were there a lot of people that you found later were not coming that really should have? Or was it the fact that people were self-isolating and not doing stupid stuff so they weren't injuring themselves so they didn't have to be there? I think think a little bit of both. I think there were some who were presenting further along in their illness who were a little bit more unwell than had they come earlier and expressed some concerns about coming out. And in part because they were worried, in part because, frankly, they were just doing the right thing and being told not to leave, and so they didn't want to leave. Um, And so we did see those present a little bit later on in their illness than they would have normally. And then, yeah, I think there were just people who were at home and and not um, having misadventure, uh, certainly. (laughs) You say it so much nicer than I do. You're you're very more much more political. Misadventure sounds nicer than doing dumb stuff. Um, right. Now I started by saying this is new, but that it must have been done before. I, I remember watching or reading. I don't know. There was a, a something I saw once of video doctoring for lack of a better term, has been done before, video appointments in remote communities and things. This is not entirely a brand new idea, even though it may be being done on a broader scale now. That's correct. Yeah, it's been around in, in sort of periphery somewhat. There are a couple of centers who've tried it already, even in the most recent past. Ottawa Chio is doing it. Um, Kitchener-Waterloo tried it for some time. Um, so it's been around in the periphery. I think certainly at St. Joe's, the number of virtual visits that um, were pushed forward uh, during our pandemic time just increased exponentially. And I think it accelerated. I was asked by someone else, was is this a good thing to come out of the pandemic? And, and you certainly don't want to ever say there's anything good to come out of the pandemic, but it has accelerated some of the thoughts that we've had in healthcare to push them a little more forward, a little forward quicker. Um, and so from that perspective, in a roundabout way, yes, it's been a a plus that we started to think a little bit outside the box more and not only think about it, but actually start to engage it. I mean, we're going to study this program very thoroughly, listen to feedback from the community, listen to feedback from our family medicine partners who were integral to this process um, and tweak it as we need to moving forward. This isn't meant to be a pilot project for the pandemic. This is meant to be in place moving forward as an opportunity for, again, people to engage in the healthcare system as they need to. Yeah, and and the the thing that I remember watching as I'm talk as you're talking there, um, it, one of the things that they were able to do, this person was in a very remote outpost, and the doctor on video was walking the person through 
taking out their own appendix, which, you know, I don't know if we're going to jump to there yet at St. Joe's, but I mean, but you do have opportunities now. You do have, I mean, it's proven to have worked. You do have opportunities to, to do a number of the things that, that maybe are not as serious, certainly not as serious as that, but not all that serious, but that still need to be looked at. Agreed. I think the, the scalability or the, the, the opportunities with this are huge. I think supporting people in small communities, supporting people in remote communities is, is things that we've talked about at an emerge level of um, they do wonderful work in the community with very in the small communities with very little resources. But but accessing that uh, that extra layer of support at times um, could be huge, could be huge for the provider, could be huge for the patient. And so the opportunities to grow with this and that's why we've we've couched it as not a pilot project. This is something that I think will be will be a ro- will be more robust as we move forward because I think the the sort of arms of opportunity here are huge that we could that we can use starting just with the Hamlet community. That's who we serve, that's who was most important to us. Um, but then from there build on on our learnings and where else we can take this and be sort of a driver in this is what excites us. You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML. As as good as this could be, do you miss something as a doctor by not examining somebody in person? Yeah, there are. There will be. I think there's the, the two issues that that concern us is probably not the right word, but that we recognize is that there will be certain presentations where we just can't make that call, and it's unsafe to make that call over the over the virtual visit. I mean, it helps that we have video as well as 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 uh, audio um so we'll have a little bit better idea looking at someone and seeing how unwell they are but if they're presenting with significant abdominal pain it's very difficult to make that diagnosis without putting a hand on the patient's belly um and so there will be occasions where they'll have to come into emerge and that won't be deemed as a failure is more just that yeah we need the next steps to to sort of do your care and the other one that that we sort of recognize is that there are some level of of uh um access issues that are going to be a problem you need to have some means of a video and an email and, and or a cell phone tablet something like that to access this and so that limits some of our access to patients and for those of course they can always still come to emerge but as we grow this program we hope to commute to connect with our community resources to figure out ways that less advantaged people can access this too just so we can be as inclusive as we can and we recognize as this comes out first that it won't be, um, but also recognize that that's on our radar and need to kind of build that in as we move forward. So what can you expect that this could really be helpful for? What kinds of things could you, as a doctor, could you comfortably see a patient and diagnose over the air? Yeah, I think some sore throats, rashes, early infections, um, musculoskeletal injuries that don't require an x-ray, um, Headaches or headache patterns to see if they need imaging that day or if they can wait to see their family doctor would be some of the obvious ones. You had mentioned some earlier. <laughs> Being cut by a chainsaw wouldn't wouldn't be it would be a difficult <laughs> one over the over the over the phone. But significant lacerations. But again, the other part of this that I think is is exciting is that we can also engage in the patient and help them sort of break down that confusion of where to go, when to go. So there's an issue of at the end of the day, you need to come to emerge. Does that need to happen right now? Let's call 911 because you're having a stroke or a significant injury, um, or you need to come in the next several hours. We can look at our trackers and say, you know what, this is an appropriate an appropriate presentation for the urgent care. And the urgent care currently right now has five patients in the waiting room, so go there now. Or shift change for our doctors and nurses happens at this hour. Historically, this is a quieter time. Come to the emerge then, just to sort of 
smooth out the highs and lows that we see. And as much as emerge is meant to be emerge and, and sort of unexpected, there is a consistency day over day to the volumes. And so if we can smooth that out a bit in an era of physical distancing, that's helpful too. So ideally we can manage it and not have to have you come, but if you have to come and it's not emergent, you have to come that instant, we can help guide you as to where the appropriate place to go is and at what time and, and sort of make it. So again, people are, people are pretty savvy now. They know their healthcare, they know technology, they want to be involved in the decision. And so this is another way to bring them in the loop and say, here's how we can help you navigate through the system a little better. You don't need to be an insider. We can help you get there at a time and not have to bring a book and a, a snack and all these things to get through. Mm. Are you confident that the system is secure? Because there would potentially be some parts of the body that someone may have to show a doctor online that you wouldn't necessarily want your neighbors to be able to hack in and see. Um, it's a secure system? That's a fantastic question. Yes, it is. It's all, it goes through the, all the same hospital um, security levels that any of our meetings and, and Zoom interactions that would. So um, we were very careful to ensure that it's safe. It is not videotaped in any way. That's the other question that I think appropriately would come up. There is no um, saving of any sort of this data in any way. We The only thing that's saved is the documentation that we do in the note uh, of the interaction, much like any patient care interaction, but there is no uh, saving of the video. There is no, and it's a very safe um, system. So how does it work then? I mean, is it is it a case where you're going to have one doctor, one GP, or somebody who is going to sit there and go through case by case all the calls, or is it a rotating roster of doctors who ever is a specialist with this, or what do you do? So it's all staffed by uh, the emergency physicians out of St. Joe's. So it's and we cover both the urgent care site at King Street and Stony Creek, as well as the Charlton site. Um, and so it'll be rotating in that it's the group of 32 of us. Um, always an eMERGE physician um, who has access to the Zoom chart. And so if you've been a previous patient here at St. Joe's, um, and even and it's not exclusive to St. Joe's patients, but we'll have access to any previous information that you have and can go on to Clinical Connect and see um, if you've had a CT somewhere else or an ultrasound somewhere else. So it's always eMERGE physician, one of the group of 32 of us who've committed, and all of us have committed to doing this and rotating through. And then as it gets larger, and we hope to expand it right now, it's Monday to Friday, 10 to 6, but... If, as this grows, growing it further into the evening, weekends, that sort of thing, will will be sort of expanding uh, from there. But it'll always be our our focused emerge group that uh, is on the other line. On the and, other and, there, the lines, and, and would there be specialists available if needed? Or by the time you need to have a specialist, you're saying come in because this is beyond what we want to do over the air? Yeah, so we're linking with our specialist partners to look at, uh, not look at, but have access to um, assessment clinics that, need that you may need to access um, sometimes that's difficult to do without having blood worker investigations or that sort of thing but if it's the kind of presentation that um, we're familiar with in terms of it's been in hot you've been in hospital recently or you're having a you know a worsening of your heart failure or something like that but stable um, that we can get you set up with the clinic or get you linked with the specialist we do that so you'll always you'll always be connecting with the emergency physician but we have means of facilitating that sort of care if we need to as well um, recognizing that sometimes that requires investigations and you coming in and maybe we have to do it through hospital but again if we can ha- if you're stable and we know you and we can get this arranged without having investigations then that's certainly within our skill of available resources to use 
I heard from someone, and I, I have no idea, I can't remember the dollar amount for the life of me, but every person who comes into Emerge and gets checked in, essentially, it's 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 an expensive process that goes through OHIP or whatever else. Is this going to save money long-term because you don't have to go through all that process? It's, uh, that's a good question. That's a bit of a challenging question as to how it, even people on the inside sometimes struggle with how much does it cost to walk into the eMERGE and be seen as a patient because so much of it is like, we got to have the lights on, we got to have the nurses there, we got to have the docs there. And so it's hard to pinpoint down what one visit would do. It's not really a program designed to save money. That's not the goal of it. And it's not really a money saver from St. Joe's perspective. Um, and so it, that's not the motivation of it. It's more around um, trying to keep people to, at home if they can and not have to come to Emerge. If they have to come, come at a time when we can manage you. Or more importantly, you're staying at home because you're scared to come uh, and, and meeting with you and saying, you know what, no, it's always safe to come and we know it's safe. And the, both hospitals have done a great job of kind of pushing that message out there that we've changed processes and we clean and the changing of the changing of cleaning and that sort of thing to match the COVID risk. And so telling people it's safe to come and you do need to come with this. And so those are the motivations. It's not really a cost saving and that's certainly not the motivation of the hospital. But at the beginning, you know what, when I said that I thought it was a brilliant idea at the beginning, I, I'm I'm assuming that you're looking at this thinking, you know, assuming nothing goes horribly wrong and I don't know why it would. There's a lot of potential here that this could expand rather quickly, I would think, that other places look at this, not just for emergency, but to, you know, for your, maybe not for your annual physical, but for a lot of other things. There's a lot of things that you could do with the doctor just over the over the connection rather than coming in. Huge, huge. And I think, you know, it speaks to the innovative nature of St. Joe's that we're jumping out in front with this. There are lots of other hospitals that have lots of other, lots of other groups that are having this discussion. St. Joe's jumped full bore and two feet into the pool around virtual care during the pandemic and we're really supportive in getting this project up and excited about this project but yes it's not limited to St. Joe's by any means there is scalability to this across what we're doing and expanding what we're doing but then into other institutions as well and I just think it's it's 2020 it's time we integrate um, all of this integrate communication integrate electronics into our care and so um, I think everybody's looking at how we can do this and the pandemic has just pushed it ahead so many years because we know we've got to we've got to now act and not just pontificate uh just to finish here this started today i believe it's by appointment you have to connect online and there's a certain number per day that you can do obviously it's not an unlimited number but where does somebody go or how does somebody get on to this list if they need to see a doctor Great question. So it starts tomorrow. It starts the 29th. Oh, tomorrow. Okay. Uh, yeah, it starts. At, so the appointments run from 10 to 6. There are essentially six appointments an hour. So it's every we book every 10 minutes for patients. Um, so it's roughly 48 patients if you do the math for eight, over eight hours. You can go to My St. Joe's. There's a link there that will be active that you can um, at request a virtual visit and then it walks you through. It's, it's uh, meant to be fairly easy for the, for the average user. Um, you have to put a little certain amount of information in there. There's great sort of um, background information on who, quali- who, who is ideal for trying to get through your family doctor first. If you can't get there, 911 if you're worried. Uh, but you go on there, put in your information. You'll get a response from us. Um, during business hours within the hour, um, dict- indicating your appointment time, and then another another push link when us as the physician click on. And so it'll, it'll be a link to say either by text or email to say um, you're ready for your appointment, you click on it, and then you'll be face-to-face with the eMERGE physician. Dr. Greg Rutledge, the Chief of Emergency Medicine for St. Joseph's Hospital. It's a really interesting idea. I appreciate you taking some time today to talk about it. Thanks so much for having me. 
The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900 CHML.